Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We are in a series, I think this is our third week, in this series called The Twelve. And we've been studying the apostles or the disciples of Jesus Christ, those 12 people that originally were called by Jesus. Come follow me. And they, they, they abandoned everything and they chose to follow Jesus. And we see a scenario taking place where ordinary men all of a sudden became extraordinary because of the power of God working in and through their lives. Last week I spoke on the, a man named Andrew. And today I want to speak on a person named Peter who was his brother. And Peter would probably arguably be maybe the most famous of the 12 disciples. Uh, I think Peter's mentioned like 156 times in the Gospels, in, in, in the New Testament, probably in the book of Acts as well, many times. And uh, he was one of the original four that was called by Jesus down there on the, on, the, on the shore of Galilee, when all of a sudden Jesus comes walking by and he sees Andrew and Peter. He says, hey, guys, come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then right next door, their buddies, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they're also called the sons of thunder. Jesus sees them and he says, hey, guys, come follow me. These were the four original disciples that chose to follow Jesus. But Peter was kind of an unusual fellow. He was a person that was outspoken and he was passionate. He was strong-willed. He was impulsive. In fact, at times, we find that Peter finds himself on the wrong side of what Jesus was trying to accomplish. Not because he was in opposition to Jesus, but because he was trying to serve Jesus so well that there's times that he, he wanted to try to protect Jesus. And he, and he tried to protect Jesus at a fault. What do I mean? At times, Peter thought it was his responsibility to protect Jesus. There were occasions where Peter, Peter didn't even think that maybe Jesus, Jesus, I don't know that you really understand what's going on here. Let me help you out. Let me try to protect you in this thing. Can I share something with you today? Jesus doesn't need our protection. In Matthew 16, Jesus was sharing to his disciples of his upcoming death and resurrection and Jesus was trying to prepare them for what was about to happen because they were, you know, they were just kind of going along for the ride. And, and he knew that in a few days, you know what, I'm going to be going to the cross. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. But I'm going to be resurrected. I'm, and guys, I'm going to meet you again. So don't worry. I'm going to come and meet you. And, and when Peter was hearing all about this, all of a sudden there was just this indignation. He said, Jesus, what are you talking about? It was kind of like a friend coming when all of a sudden, you know, your friend starts to talk negative and kind of all of a sudden, you know, they're just ready to die or whatever else it is. You have to lift them up. And Peter's trying to do that with Jesus. He said, Jesus, no, 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 not for you, not for you, my Lord. No, it's not going to happen. And Jesus responded to Peter, and it seems harsh. He says, get behind me, Satan. I can't imagine Jesus telling me that face to face. Can you imagine that? Get away from me, Satan. Why did Jesus respond so harshly to Peter? Well, Jesus goes on and just tells him. He says, you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. It's a reminder for all of us that Jesus doesn't need our protecting. He's our protector. Jesus doesn't need defending. 
He's our defender. Jesus doesn't need to be questioned. He's our wisdom. I see at times when we're living out in our society today, and I find myself doing it as well, where all of a sudden we're trying to defend Jesus with others. You don't need to defend Jesus. Peter was trying to do that. He was trying to defend Jesus from the, from the, from the crowd, from those that were in opposition. Jesus doesn't need defending. If you find yourself on that side of the aisle, I encourage you today to stop going that direction and start bringing the love and the light of Jesus to others. Show them who Jesus is. Let them know who Jesus is. Don't play the role reversal with Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. It's not the other way around. Our mission is to love and obey Jesus and present Jesus to those who don't know him. Don't get caught up in trying to defend him. Introduce people to Jesus. Even though Peter at times ended up on the wrong side of what Jesus was trying to do, I gotta tell you, Jesus absolutely adored Peter. He loved Peter. And as you read through the Gospels, you discover Peter becomes one of Jesus' closest friends. It was James and John and Peter. They were the, they were the three amigos. They were the ones that were the closest to Jesus. Jesus loved Peter's passion. He loved his faith. He saw Peter, that, that Peter would someday be the leadership of the church that he was building, the church of Jesus Christ. We also see that in Peter's life, there were so many great miracles that was taking place. And we've talked about some of those where Peter walked out on the water, where Peter two different times had boatloads of fish that were about ready to sink the boats because of miracles that were taking place in Peter's life. People were being saved. One time, 3,000 after the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people made their commitment to Christ. Another time, 2,000 people came to Christ after he healed the lame man who was at the temple gate called Beautiful. I mean, miracles were taking place in Peter's life. In fact, one time... Peter met a woman who had died. Her name was Tabitha. Guess what? Rise up and be healed. He raised a woman from the dead. Come on, how many of you have ever raised a person from the dead? Man, God was working through Peter's life. And, and Peter's a great example of how an ordinary person can be used by the power of God. So today, what can we learn from Peter's life? How can we learn about his relationship with Jesus? And what can we apply to our own life? Let me share some findings that Peter discovered during his time with Jesus. First thought, we find courage in Jesus. If you think about the early life of Peter, it seems at times he was a person who was quick to speak, quick to action. But he was also that person who allowed fear to interfere with his life. Even though he was this bold brash person with, filled with faith. There's times that we see that all of a sudden that this, this, this fear enters into his life and all of a sudden he started holding back. Think about Peter, the faith that it took for him to step out of the boat and to walk on water. When they were in the waves and the wind and all of a sudden they see Jesus walking by and the disciples thought that it was a ghost and Jesus said, no, don't, don't fear, it is I, take courage. And, and, and then Peter says, if it's truly you, uh, tell me to come out in the water and I'll walk. And all of a sudden Peter takes a step and he starts to walk on water. I remember as a kid, I was, we used to go to a lake called Lake Perigen and there was a dock out there that we used to swim out. And in the mornings, the lake could be just absolutely, have you ever seen a lake that's just absolutely crystal clear? where it's just smooth as ice, you know. And don't judge me, but I used to think, man, if I could run fast enough, 
I could walk on water. And I remember getting on the edge of the dock, and I would take off, and I thought for sure, you know, it never worked. Not one time. And that was on smooth water. Now, when Peter walked on water, there was wind and there was waves coming against him. And he sees Jesus out there. And, I mean, I can't even imagine what it must have felt like when the boat was rocking to even take that first step. And then a second step. And then a third step. And he's walking on water. And then all of a sudden he goes, what am I doing? And he sees the wind and he sees the waves and his eyes fall off of Jesus and all of a sudden he begins to sink and this fear all of a sudden starts to take over him and he starts, help me Jesus. Have you ever been there? <laughs> help me Jesus. And the hand of Jesus quickly grabs Peter. Oh, you have little faith. Pulls him out of the water. Peter's fear distracted him from his faith in Jesus. There was another time where Peter's fear arises on the night of Jesus' betrayal. You can read it in the account of Matthew chapter 26. At one point, Peter was so full of faith. When Jesus was telling what was about to happen and how they were all going to abandon him, Peter, ah, oh, bold, audacious. Peter, states, oh, Jesus, I will never leave you. I will never deny you. No, and, and he starts off great. In fact, he cuts off one of the soldier's ears. You remember that in the garden? Somebody, Jesus puts the ear back on. That would have been something fun to watch, wouldn't it? But when Jesus was arrested and when the, he was taken to the Sanhedrin and he was being judged and Peter was off to the side and he was watching what was taking place and all of a sudden... A servant girl, two different servant girls, two different times come up to Peter and says, aren't you the guy that kind of has been hanging around Jesus? No, I'm not that person. And then a group of people all of a sudden approached Peter and says, aren't you that guy that has been following Jesus? No, 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 I'm not that person. What changed? Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and had put his eyes on the opinion of people. It's amazing what happens when fear enters. It distracts us from our purpose in following Jesus. In fact, that time when Peter was approached by the group of people, they said, you must be one of those followers of Jesus. And Peter began to call down curses upon himself if he was lying. He's like, I swear on my mother's grave, I'm not that person. Now, Peter was just that person just a few hours before telling Jesus, I will never deny you. And at that moment, the rooster crowed. And Peter rem remembered what Jesus said. Before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. It seems that Peter struggled with fear. He feared the wind and the waves. He feared the accusations of others. And I think it's why Peter is so relatable to so many of us. If you've ever stuck your foot in your mouth, raise your hand, okay, thank you. Okay, making sure I'm not the only one raising my hand. You can relate to Peter. If you've ever struggled with fear, you can relate to Peter. But in following Jesus, Peter somehow miraculously pushes past his fear and he found great courage. And I think about that, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. And I think about Peter 
And you know, one of the most difficult challenges in life is to push past your mistakes. When you make a blundering idiot of yourself, how do you pick yourself up and keep moving forward? Peter's that guy. He makes those bold, audacious statements. I will never deny you. And a few, few hours later, the rooster crows. Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come out in the water. A few seconds later, Jesus, save me. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Bold and ready to conquer the world. And three seconds later, Jesus, help me, I'm scared. We've all been there. And I think that's why we relate to Peter so well. Because we relate to his story. We have this passion. We have this desire that's deep down inside. We want to do everything for Jesus. We want to do all these miraculous things. But then when all of a sudden we come against some forces, we come against some darkness, we come against some just, maybe we just come against a distraction. And all of a sudden we're distracted and all of a sudden we find find ourselves somewhere else. We go, "What, what happened? That's Peter. But something changed in Peter. Because we can read through the book of Acts, we discover that Peter overcame his fear. He became unafraid in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. No matter what circumstances he faced, guess what? He was bold and he was unafraid. After the healing of the crippled man at the temple gate, beautiful. If you remember that story, we've talked about it two or three times now. He was questioned by the Sanhedrin. Because all of a sudden, this phenomenal miracle. Peter raised this man who had been born Lame. He has never been able to walk before. He was carried to the temple gate day after day after day, ready there to beg. And when Peter and John started walking up, all of a sudden this, this man that was begging for money, he's, he was, was sitting there. And Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give to you. Rise up and be healed. And after that miracle took, took place, it says 2,000 people, Peter was preaching, and 2,000 people believed in, in what Jesus what Peter was saying, and they came to Jesus, and, and all of a sudden, the, this, uh, this religious official group, the Sanhedrin, the same, probably the same group that was questioning Jesus, takes Peter and John aside, and they start to question Peter. But man, this time, Peter is bold. He is brave, he is filled with faith, and he starts to preach on who Jesus is. He was crucified, you guys crucified him, but three days later, guess what? He is raised up and he is our Savior, Lord and Jesus. And and you can find salvation through him. What happened? What was the difference? Why did all of a sudden this boldness come out of Peter? And I think what changed was Peter was being led by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helped Peter keep his eyes on Jesus. You see, we find courage when our eyes are on Jesus. It reminds me of the words that Jesus shared to his disciples when they were on the Sea of Galilee and they were in the boat and Jesus touched a walk by. And all of a sudden there was this fear that gripped all the disciples because they thought it was a ghost that was walking by. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, take courage. I am here. For some of you, that's a word that you need to grab a hold of today because you've struggled with fear in your life. It's been from a very early age maybe where you've always just struggled with, I don't know that I I can't. Maybe you failed. Maybe you've made mistakes. Maybe you have a hard time pushing past your mistakes. And instead of falling, instead of going forward, you have a tendency to fall back. And I want to tell you today, God never wants you to fall back. God wants you to keep moving forward with him. And there's times we need to take that word that Jesus said. Hey, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. We need to remember that we do not walk this life alone. 
that we walk with the presence of God. If you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, Jesus is walking with you. You never need to worry, how am I going to work? I'm going to college and I don't know any of these guys, these people, and I'm so afraid, and these professors. You don't need to be afraid. I'm entering into a new job. I know I failed last time. I failed the time before. I know I'm going to fail. Stop it. Be, fi- be filled with faith and courage because Jesus is here. He's walking with you. You don't need to be afraid of the inflation. You don't need to be afraid that maybe we're entering into recession. How am I going to make? Jesus is with you. Take courage. He is here. The second finding that we find in Peter's life that he discovers is we find forgiveness in Jesus. When we talk about Peter, the subject of forgiveness is a pretty important subject because Peter needed a lot of forgiveness. Don't we all? And it's so interesting when we study the disciples' lives and we study Peter's life. It's so interesting that he is the one in Matthew chapter 18 who says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? That was Peter. I don't know if he was set up by the other disciples and they were afraid to go ask Jesus, but Peter was the one that said it. Seven times, Lord? No, not seven times, Jesus replied. But 70 times seven. Have you ever known someone who abuses forgiveness? Come on, you, got, you know what I'm talking about. They always seem to be doing the wrong thing. They all, they, it, just, it seems like they keep repeating the same mistake. And, and then they have the audacity to come to you and say, I'm sorry. And they just expect that you're going to automatically forgive them. This is the situation that Peter is concerned about. The person who abuses forgiveness. Lord, how often really should... I know you got this grace thing. You're talking about all this grace thing, Jesus. But really, let's get down to business. How often do I really need to forgive somebody? I don't know if there was a specific person Peter was thinking about or if he's just thinking about mankind in general. Shouldn't there be an end to forgiveness? Shouldn't we think about the victims here? Those being hurt by the careless person. And I think we have all can relate to that at some point in our life. There must be an end to forgiveness. You can't just keep forgiving someone for the same offense. But can I share something of truth here that you need to grab a hold of today? Jesus never intended to put limitations on forgiveness. And for some that might... I'm going to say it again. Jesus never intended to put limitations on forgiveness. Not for those who truly repent. We're not talking about someone who's not sorry. But even that gets us into a difficult situation. Who are you to judge when a person is sorry or not? How do we judge that? We can't. I've heard people say, I'm not going to forgive that person. Uh Uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. Even though they've apologized. Because I know, I know they're not truly sorry for what they've done. They've done it before. I'm not going to forgive them this time. The only problem with that thinking, we maybe all of us have been there at some point. It's not biblical. We are called to forgive those who repent. And Peter's learning this lesson through his life. In fact, Jesus takes it a step further when he's being crucified on the cross. Jesus said on the cross in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
And Jesus' statement doesn't mean that they're all entering into heaven. Basically, Jesus' statement is a statement of mercy. Father, forgive their ignorance. And at times we want to be, we want to hold, and I want you to catch some, some of you need to catch a hold of this. At times we want to hold unbelievers to the same standard that we live by. And the word of God is never called for unbelievers to live by the same standard that we live by as believers. If they don't know that it's sin, who are we to say, hey, that's sin. If we're introducing people to their sin before we're introducing people to the love of Jesus, we got a problem. And the church for years and years and years used to introduce people to the, to the Ten Commandments, to everything that was wrong, to you can't do this, you can't do that. Oh, yeah, and by the way, Jesus loves you. Flip it around. Jesus loves you. And because Jesus loves you, you know what? You're going to want to set aside these things and you're going to, go, you're going to want to start following after Jesus. You see, we've got to paint the picture of why. Because when all of a sudden we start living holy lives, when we start living lives that are after following after Jesus, things of sin start to fall off our life. The pro- and you know what? Sin causes problems. So many times you don't think, oh, this is not going to hurt me. And you step into it, oh, it hurts. It hurts. Your wife will tell you something. Your husband will tell you something. It hurts. Because that's what sin does. But when we start all of a sudden, because of our love for Christ, and because we want to do what Jesus has asked us to do out of obedience, guess what? Things start to be set right in our life. In this story, it appears that Peter wanted to hold someone accountable for their actions. And it's here that Jesus shares a story that's found in Matthew 18. It's one of his famous parables. It's about a king and his servant who owed him millions of dollars. That's what the Bible says. He owed him millions of dollars, and the king was doing an audit, going through all the land. Hey, let's go and find out how all the servants are doing. And they found this one servant who owed so many, so many millions of dollars. He brought, them, he brought this servant in, and he said, hey, you know what? It was it. You're going to prison until you pay off this debt. And all of a sudden, this servant fell to his knees. He started to beg the king, and he started sharing, I have 25 kids. Not true, but something like that. I have 25 kids, and they're all under the age of two. I don't know what it's the story was. But you can't send me to prison. And it says in the Bible that the king had compassion on him. And he didn't just, just to say, okay, I'm going to give you another 30 days. I'm going to give you another year to pay off your debt. He forgives all the man's debt. Completely, 100%. Everything. And then it says in the story that this same servant that was forgiven all this debt goes out and he meets another servant that owes him, owes him money and has no mercy upon him and sends him to prison. The king hears about the story. He can't believe that this servant would have done such a thing. He brings him in. Did you do this? You know what? Because you have done this, because you couldn't show the same mercy that I have shown you, you're going to prison until you pay every penny of your debt, which was impossible for him to do. Jesus makes this story crystal clear for his listeners in Matthew 18, verse 35. He says, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. See, forgiveness to God is a big thing. We don't, we don't end on forgiveness. When someone's repentant, we continue to forgive. And I know that's a tough statement, but we're called to forgive. Peter soon discovers this amazing truth about forgiveness in his own life. 
After Peter denied knowing Jesus three separate times, Jesus was crucified. He denies Jesus three separate times. The, the two different servant girls come. Do you know Jesus? No, no, I don't know. The group of people come. Do you know Jesus? No, I don't know. I swear on my mother's grave, I don't know who Jesus is. And all of a sudden, now Jesus is crucified. Can you imagine the anguish, the pain, the difficulty that Peter's had? His friend, his savior, he was one of the three amigos, his close buddy. All of a sudden, now he is crucified, and he has denied his Lord and Savior and his friend. You want to talk about anguish and pain and difficulty? Talking about a person who needs forgiveness? And the Bible doesn't make any statement or specific incident where it records that Jesus forgave Peter, but we know that we can be confident that at some point it happened because on the beach, on the Sea of Galilee, after Jesus was resurrected, Jesus is rocking along the beach, the shoreline, and the disciples are out there fishing. And Jesus decides to have a little fun with them. Once again, he says, hey, guys, throw your nets. They hadn't caught, caught any fish. Throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And once again, their nets became so full. And John says, it's Jesus. And Peter, into the water he goes. And he swims up to Jesus, his friend, his Savior. And they have breakfast together. They fillet some fish, some whatever they have back in those. I don't know what that Sea Galilee holds, but they're, they're having a feast. And I believe on that day, Peter found forgiveness. He found restoration. You can read the story for yourself in John chapter 21. Where it's interesting where Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter responded, Lord, you know I love you. Then he said, well, then, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Now Peter's starting to get offended. Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. On that day, Peter found, some, found a love that he didn't understand or didn't have a knowledge of. He understood this phileo love, which is a brotherly love, but he didn't understand the agape love. It's an unconditional love that Jesus just showed Peter. He said, ha, Peter, now move forward. Start taking care of the church. And I can't imagine if I put Peter, I don't know if you guys ever do this, but I put myself in Peter's shoes. I try to put myself in the story as well. And I think about that thought where all of a sudden, if I denied Jesus three times, my friend, and all of a sudden now he's meeting with me, I would think Peter's mind can't help but go back to the time when all of a sudden he's thinking about it. Hey, Jesus, now how many times do I need to forgive? <laughs> and now he is so eternally grateful that Jesus said there is no end to forgiveness. Because Peter is the one who discovered how important forgiveness was in his life. And it brings a new perspective to Peter's words in 1 Peter 4.8 where he says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. That day, guess what? Peter discovered the love of Jesus in a whole new way in his life. The other finding I want to share with you today, this is the last one, that Peter discovered, 
is that we find purpose in Jesus. Sometimes as we read about the accomplishments of Peter, the many miracles that were performed, the thousands of people that came to, to know Jesus Christ through his preaching, sometimes we forget that Peter was just a fisherman. The idea that Peter the fisherman would one day become a leader, that Jesus would choose to help build his church, was this crazy thought. How could a fisherman all of a sudden become a leader of the church of Jesus? Fishermen were tough, they were hardworking, but their purpose was not to lead people spiritually. Yet Jesus had other ideas for Peter. And I want you to remember the first encounter that Jesus had with Peter. And we talked about it last week when Simon or when Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Remember that story? And he got, I kind of think he drugged Peter to go find Jesus. And John chapter 1, verse 42 says, Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, and Peter means rock. I'm going somewhere, so follow along with me. Later in Jesus' ministry, Jesus asked Peter, and if you remember the story, he talked to all the disciples, who do you say that I am? And they all had different answers, John the Baptist, Elijah, you know, they all, and then he, said, he goes specifically to Peter, says, Peter, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, or you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus goes on to say, you know, this was not found out by human efforts. This is given to you by my heavenly Father. And then Jesus says these words. He responds to Peter with the following statement in Matthew 16, 18. Now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus knew Peter's purpose. It didn't mean that Peter wasn't going to experience failures. It did, raise your hand if you've experienced failures. It didn't mean that Peter wasn't going to go through difficulties. Raise your hand if you've gone through difficulties. It didn't mean that Peter wasn't going to have doubts at times. Raise your foot if you have gone through doubts at times. But Jesus saw Peter's purpose. And Jesus sees your purpose. He knows. He already knows. He created you who you're going to become. We just got to have faith and follow Jesus. This is why Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter, meaning rock. Early on, Peter's life appeared to be anything but a rock. It seemed like it was shifting sand. At times you might think you don't have what it takes to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here today. You don't think, man, I can't, I can't lead a Bible study. I can't lead a small group. I don't have the ability to pray for someone. I can't lead someone to Christ. I can't share the gospel. I don't know how to do all those things. Maybe you're saying, Pastor Tom, I don't even know if I'm going to make it through tomorrow. I'll just be honest with you. Guess what? Welcome to the ranks of Peter. I think that was Peter's life. It's important to note Peter's purpose became so clear to him when he chose to put his trust in Jesus. I want to read some of Peter's writings in 1 Peter. Peter wrote two books in the New Testament, 1 and 2 Peter. I really encourage you, maybe this week, they're not long books. Take some time to read his two writings because it will really jump off the page to you about Peter's life because he's writing from this, not from back when he was struggling, but now he's writing from this place of authority and confidence of who Jesus was in his life. But listen to verse 2 and 4, or chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says, you are coming to Christ. And he's writing this letter to encourage Christians who are undergoing persecution, probably both Jews and Gentiles. And listen to Peter's words. You are coming to Christ, 
who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. See, Peter knew that it was Jesus who was the rock. He was the cornerstone of the church. And he says, he was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Speaking of Jesus. And you are living, catch this line, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. And you are, I'm speaking to you, each and every one of you, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What an amazing thought. Cephas, you are now, you're no longer called Simon, you are called Cephas, which means, Peter, you are a rock. I declare to you, each and every one of you today, according to Peter's words, each and every one of you are a living stone being put into God's spiritual temple. Thought I'd get one amen there. Peter understood Jesus was the cornerstone of our lives, but meaning everything we are is because of Jesus. But each of us represent a living stone that is being built into God's temple. And I want you to listen to verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Listen to how Peter describes you and me. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very special possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What a promise for each and every one of us that we're living stones in God's temple and we're called out of darkness to walk into the light and to share the good news and the love of Jesus to others so that people don't have to walk in darkness. They can choose to walk in the light. You are a living stone. God has called you out. Now, you might not feel like it. You might have doubts. And welcome to Peter's life. I think that's why Peter's so special to us in God's word. And I think why it's why Peter, I think it's why the authors show the failures of Peter, the struggles of Peter, the difficulties of Peter. Because the authors of the Bible, the Holy Spirit, needed each and every one of us to understand that we're all gonna have struggles, we're all gonna have difficulties, we're all gonna have troubles. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, he will bring us through and we will become living stones in God's temple. We are the church. We are the temple of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord God, for each person that you have put in the Bible. We thank you for Peter's life. It's so important to be able to realize, Lord God, that none of us are perfect, that we all face failures, we all face fears, we all face difficulties. There's times, God, where we need greater courage, and I pray, God, as we keep our eyes on you, Lord God, you'll bring that courage into our lives. There's times, God, where we don't understand our purpose, but God, we don't have to understand our purpose, because guess what? You understand our purpose, and as we keep our eyes on you, that purpose becomes crystal clear. I pray for each and every one of us today. For those who might be struggling today, just coming to church, it was just difficult getting here. For those who maybe are online that, man, it just feels like, I don't know, Pastor Tom, my purpose. Thank you for Peter's words that share that we are living stones in God's temple. That our purpose is to step out of darkness and step into the light. That our purpose is to reveal to others 
they don't have to walk in darkness anymore, that they can walk in the light. Lord, use each and every one of us today, I pray, to be a light that continues to gather others to come into your temple, into your house, into the body of Christ. Thank you for your love today, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercies. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.